Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday to you. It's Friday. Uh, it's the end of another good week, and it's been a good week, and it's been a good week in the Word. We are going verse by verse through the book of Job. Uh, I'm really enjoying this. I, really, I, I love Job. I mean, I love the guy. I love the book, too. But the more I just hear, I'm just rooting for Job. You know, I'm just so tired of his, you know, fake friends here preaching to him, belly aching. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm just so ready for God to show up. And, uh, and put them in their place. It's it's several chapters away, but it's coming. Uh, chapter 17 and 18 is where we are today. Job uh, is continuing the speech that he started yesterday. Yeah, he's still talking. Uh, chapter 17, Job continues, and then chapter 18, Bildad chimes in again. Remember, we're in the second cycle now, so all of the friends are going to speak again, and, uh, and Job responds. Job right now is still responding to Eliphaz's second speech, uh, and uh, I don't know, you guys. I'm trying to read chapter 17 closely, and there's some portions that are really hard to translate, really hard to understand. But I'm starting to think Job's picking up some strength, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. Again, he just continues uh, right out of chapter 16 into chapter 17. My spirit is crushed. My life is nearly snuffed out. He just talked about how he's going to go down to the grave, just hoping that there will be a mediator, a friend for him in heaven, but he doesn't really know how to, how to hope for that. You know, he doesn't seem to have any, anybody here on earth. Uh, verse three is just powerful and beautiful. You must defend my innocence, O God. It's interesting how Job kind of goes back and forth because he doesn't have a choice. His, his theology, his way of knowing God, all he's ever seen and heard just implies that everything good and bad comes from God and and that it, it sort of comes and goes based on what you deserve. I mean, that's the sort of tight little uh, logical universe that Job and his friends have always inhabited. But now Job is suffering uh, way out of proportion to anything that he's ever done. You could argue anything that anybody could ever do. You know, this Job's sufferings are just unprecedented. And Job is saying, I'm not a perfect man, but I don't deserve all this, you know. And so Job causes us to ponder that question that, that is harder to even think about. You know, why, why is it that sometimes innocent people suffer? You know, terrible things can happen to people who don't necessarily deserve it. And how is that the way the world works? And, and so that's the theme, as we've been saying here in Job. And so Job is now, you know, just sort of caught in between this. Only God can judge me. Who, who said that? Like, Tupac is, is a rapper. I think Tupac said, only God can judge me. So only God can judge Job, and, and at the same time, you know, Job also feels like God's the one who's just crushing him. You know, so inevitably it's hard to see God on both sides. God can't be the one grinding me in the dirt and also my only hope for salvation. You know, now, again, it's the gospel. It's the gospel who shows us that shows us the true heart of God. We learn everything there is to know about God by looking at Jesus. But Job doesn't have Jesus. All he has is, is the weirdness and brokenness of this terrible, beautiful world, you know, and it's just hard to make sense of all of it. So that's why he says, you know, God, you're the only one. You're the only one who can defend my innocence. You know, you know what I've done. You know, you know, and you're the only one. So where are you and why? I mean, 
His anguish here is just compounded by what is for the moment God's apparent silence. Um, Verse 5 of the New Living Translation kind of bugged me because I don't, Job doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that would say, let their children starve, and, and he doesn't. He doesn't. In, in, in a verse 5, uh, Job actually quotes a proverb which says more like, if, if a person uh, betrays their friend, with their, if a person speaks against a friend to their own advantage, uh, then their children uh, will go blind. I, I really think the Hebrew is, is something to do with their eyes. Uh, New Living Translation, uh, I, I think, is a little bit off there. Remember, Hebrew poetry is very, very, very difficult to translate. It's just really hard to make those choices. But, but Job's quoting a proverb there and not you know, cursing his friends, not wishing something bad on all of their children. But notice where it goes from there because I think it's really kind of interesting. And again, it's really hard to translate, not just new living here. It's really hard to translate what Job is saying in verses uh, 8 and 9, primarily because Job does sometimes speak very ironically or sarcastically. You know, all these signs when he says, well, you guys are the smartest guys in the world. Well, he doesn't mean it. He thinks they're dummies, you know, but he says, I guess y'all are the smartest guys in the whole world. And, you know, uh, you know, the innocent rise up against the ungodly. You know, uh, most, I think, translators assume that, that, again, Job is being ironic there. And he means you, you innocent are rising up against the ungodly, you know. Job doesn't believe that they're innocent, nor does he believe that he's ungodly. That's why most people translate it. It's just dripping with irony and sarcasm. But um, I don't know. I, I sort of feel like in, this, in these verses here, Job's picking up some strength. I think in verse 9, when Job says, the righteous keep moving forward and those with clean hands become stronger and stronger, I don't know if he's being ironic there. I think he's starting to... I think he's starting to catch on. I think Job is beginning to gain a little bit of confidence in what he's saying because everybody's opposing him, but he's not bending. And I think at this point, he's starting to say, you know, people are going to be surprised, you know, when the innocent rise up against the ungodly because, because basically they're going to be surprised as it turns out who's innocent and who's ungodly. I mean, I really think that Job here, and I think it's supported, and we're going to keep reading, I think it's supported by the way in which Job's speeches are going to, are going to lean more and more and more toward you know, his, his confidence. Not assurance, it's not certainty. He still has no idea why what is happening is happening, but, but he's going to become more and more confident in the fact that no, no, you know, I don't deserve this. This is something else, and only God can explain it, you know. Uh, so anyway, pay attention to it, but that's my theory. I really think Job's just sort of picking up some strength here. Those with clean hands become stronger and stronger. I think he's starting to believe it, and I think we're going to start seeing it, and, and, and I love it. As for all of you, he says, verse 10, come back with a better argument, and even then you're all going to be still a bunch of dummies. That's what he says. Come back with a better argument. Uh, and I'm still not going to find a wise man among you. These men say that night is day. They claim that darkness is light. Again, he's just, uh, these men, he's talking about his friends. Just saying, you're calling bad good and good bad and night day and day night and 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 don't think for a moment that you're you know defending god you know in, in in the way you're talking to me what if i do go to the grave my only hope is in the grave so i guess uh, we'll just go down to the dust together me and my hope uh and that's the end of job's speech there
So then Bildad speaks back up. Bildad the Shuhite, you, you knew he wouldn't be able to hold his tongue. So one more, he's, you know, they always start with, why don't you shut up? No, you shut up. I want you to shut up. <laughs> so Bildad says, why don't you shut up? Uh, in verse two, talking to Job, you know, no, you shut up. No, I, you're a windbag. No, I think you're the windbag. I mean, this is what they do. Um, how long before you stop talking? Speak sense if you want us to answer. You know, if you want a good answer, ask me a good question. You know, man, these guys, man, man what a bunch of goobs, you know. Uh, verse 3 is important. I haven't pointed this out yet, but begin to notice all of the references to animals. But there's this sort of theme in the book of Job that compares animals and humans or keeps putting them together in such a sense that, and, and, and in the speech of God, it's really going to come out later. Um, it's almost like one of the things that they're pondering here is, you know, what's the difference between animals? I mean, we know that People are made in the image of God, but but Job keeps putting humans and animals together in a really peculiar way, as if to be asking, what is the place of humankind in creation? You know, vis-a-vis -vis all, all of the creatures, the wild creatures, and 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 are our lives more meaningful? You know, or or do they make any more sense than the lives of the you know dumb animals? And so, verse three is one of the places where you say, you think we're animals? Do you think we're mere? Do you think we're stupid? Do you think we're mere animals? You know, again, it, it, Bildad means it as as a you know as as a way of coming back you know attacking Job. But honestly, I, I I think it's one of the real sort of underlying secondary questions in Job. You know, how is our life different from the animals? You know, because if life is absurd, if it's meaningless, then it's not that different. You know, so, and if the meaning isn't found in, you know, the righteous get rewarded and the evil get punished on the spot, then, then what is life about? You know, if it's not a stable, predictable moral universe, you know, so again, the questions get pretty deep, but just notice the way the book of Job continues to put that question in several different ways. Are we, are we animals? Are we just mere animals? I think it's, of course we're not. But again, Job is willing to ask all the questions. You may tear out your hair in anger, Bildad says, but it's not going to move the earth. <laughs> you know, Job, you don't like the way it all is. And, you know, I'm not, I will make the rules. I'm just telling you what the rules are. And, and you can pull your hair out because you don't like it, but it's not going to change the rules. If that's what Bildad's saying here. You're not going to move the earth. You know, this is the way the earth works. And if you don't like it, well, it's not going to change for you, Job. I mean, you know, these guys are just, you know, such delight, <laughs> delightful company. Um, this long, long you know, uh, speech there that follows uh, uh, verses 5 to 21 is really a, just a prolonged, again, another one of those places where they describe the fate of the wicked. Um, the friends love to do this, and they always do it in a way like, you know, you know I'm not talking about anybody you know in particular, Job, but it, it, you know, if, if it sounds like you, Job, maybe it is you, Job. I mean, of course they're talking about Job. But they always say like, okay, the light of the wicked will be snuffed out, you know, so don't be surprised, you know, I mean, my goodness. A trap grabs them by the heels. So yeah, I know, Job, it seems like all your suffering came out of nowhere, but you've had this coming for a long, long time. I mean, that's what they're saying. That's the only thing they're saying. Uh, terror surround the wicked. Their roots dry up. Yeah. Disease eats their skin. You know, I'm not talking about anybody you know, but if it sounds like you, Job, then I may be talking about, you know, again, he doesn't say Job's name, but he's thinly veiled. 
uh, efforts to explain Job's suffering. And it's the same explanation over and over and over. Job, you had this coming. You had this coming. I know, I know, you don't think you did, and but but it's obvious that you did, because obviously God, God's got something on you. God, God's going to crush you until you repent. Uh, yeah. In the end, you know, Bill Dad says, people won't just drive by your house and say, that's where a wicked person used to live. Yeah. Woo, thanks, thanks for that one, Bill Dad. It's one of Bill Dad's shortest speeches, and, uh, and, and he's got a much shorter one coming up. But anyway, uh, thank you, Bill Dad, for wrapping that up quickly. We didn't want to hear any of that anyway. Job will respond to Bill Dad when we pick up in chapter 19 on Monday. So chapters 19 and 20, again, just two chapters at a time. And we'll pick up there. Again, these speeches pick up steam. And uh, again, I'm, uh, I, I really, really, uh, I, I just, I, I'm loving this. I hope you are as well. Uh, God's word is just good, is it not? And all these books that we avoid because for whatever reason we think that they're not going to be, you know, there's not a story that we learned in Sunday school or there's not none of our favorite verses, you know, we just tend to skip over and, and we miss out, don't we? We just miss uh, some part of what God has always wanted us to think about and hear from his word. So anyway, we're in Job, y'all, and I'm loving it. We'll pick up right here, chapters 19 and 20 on Monday. If you don't have a church home, I'm going verse by verse through Nehemiah right now in the pulpit at Woodburn. So join us at Woodburn, 8, 9, 30, and 11. Or you always know where to find me, Facebook, YouTube, or any place you find podcasts, Tim with Tim. I love you guys so much. I will see you, if not in church on Sunday, on Tim with Tim on Monday morning at 10 o'clock, Lord willing. So listen, have a good weekend. I'll see you then. I love you guys.